When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Guys, we're really excited about this new sponsor. It's Snooze Mattress. They have something called the Snooze Flip, which is the most universal mattress on the planet. It's a mattress that is designed to fit everybody. It's actually the world's first four-in-one mattress. You can choose soft, firm, cool, or cozy. And then you can flip it to choose your comfort level. Then you can zip it with Snooze Mattress's reversible and washable temperature-regulated cover. They hooked a couple of us DNVR employees up with a new mattress. It's gotten great reviews. Everybody loves it. Super comfortable. And like I said, you can customize it to fit however you like to sleep. So what you need to do is go to snoozesleep.com. When you get there, you're going to use code DNVR. You're going to receive $250 off a mattress and $250 off an adjustable base. So this is an incredible deal. Go to snoozesleep.com type in code dnvr it's going to give you 250 bucks off a mattress and 250 bucks off an adjustable base this is an awesome company made in colorado by colorado people designed of course for the rest of the world Uh, so check them out go to snoozesleep.com use code dnvr bumper look at this this is the fanciest list look at this harrison good stuff wow <laughs> what is up everybody and welcome into the dnvr nuggets podcast notebook edition the list live edition i'm adam Mares, your host and i'm joined by my co-host harrison wind harrison how are you uh feeling following the uh, nuggets' second loss on this road trip so far i'm doing great put the loss behind me only to get ready to revisit it right now just got off a couple games of counter-strike with uh, nicole (laughs) so i'm doing good this morning nice man nice i gotta say i was funny seeing some of the quotes from yoke afterwards then of course him going out with vladko um you know out on the town um it's always interesting to see him when he's around as he calls it his people the balkan boys the Balkan, <laughs> the Balkan boys, boys reunited, or some of them reunited in Chicago. Um, today we're going to go over the list. I've got 15 clips for you. Um, most, I'm not going to lie, most of these are over the Knicks. I think, let's see, the first 11 over the Knicks, the final, I actually have 16 clips here. I labeled one, I labeled number 12 twice. Um, and then the final six of there are five over the uh, Bulls game. But talking about a lot of them, I got a lot of notes, always going back and rewatching them. Have you been able to go back and rewatch these, Harrison? I rewatched the Knicks game. No way I rewatched the Bulls game, though. No way I rewatched the Bulls Man, game. But I, I am, Adam, Adam, I am saying I'm putting an embargo on Lonzo Ball clips on today's show. You're only allowed to show three clips showing how great Lonzo Ball played last night. Well, a little surprise, surprise. I actually have zero clips of Lonzo Ball. Oh. I was very tempted. I was very tempted a few times, and I'm like, whatever. I'm not going to do it. Um, 
But, you know, there is a lot to kind of get to here. Um, uh, always some interesting clips. We can start diving right into it. The We're going to start with this Knicks game. So it's kind of going back here in chronological order, starting with the Knicks one, because there was so much good stuff that came from that um, that I don't want to just sweep it under the fridge here. Um, Jokic's first bucket was a featherly sh- shoulder fake. Feather, feathery? Feathery shoulder fake. Do you feathery. remember what I'm talking about? I actually haven't seen him do this too often. It was kind of a busted play. Denver didn't get anything. Shot clock's winding down, and he gets it in the post and does a little shoulder fake and then turns around and hits a turnaround jumper. But the shoulder fake was so perfect that, like, got the defender so out of position that he could, like, slow it down. I haven't really seen him use that one, but it's uh, it was a great move. I think we've seen a couple new moves from Jokic that he's broken out this year. That one, I don't know if the one he broke out last night is considered a move, but... Like his first shot of the game last night was a running right-handed sweeping. Man, I got notes on that. I got the baseline. Okay, we'll get to that. that. I I I don't know that I give credit to that one. I think that was a bad. That was like maybe a a sign of Jokic's focus level in that game. But put that one in the dumpster. But but keep the one against the Bulls. Keep the show the the Knicks. Yeah, the shoulder fake there. Yeah, against the Um, Knicks. Yeah. The game plan from the Nuggets clearly called either for a hard double off of RJ Barrett or just doubling on Randall in the post. Of course, Randall's a huge dude, and I think you know Denver was concerned with getting him going. Had a great defensive game plan against him. I thought. Um, but they were leaving shooters wide open against, you know, Nick shooters wide open on some of these early possessions to not let Randall get going. And of course that paid off. Um, my first video clip here, right, let's get these video clips ready to be shared. My very first one, oh man, I got these in reverse order. Um, a great sideline out of bounds from Yoke. I actually here's didn't what see I this love. the first time. Let's see. Oh man, did I talk through this one? I did. <laughs> I was doing can't the old version yourself. of the list. I can't help myself. So if you're going to notice here, it's a sideline out of bounds, Harrison, and they actually, the, the Knicks, actually took Mitchell Robinson off him. It's not, this is actually pretty common for a team when there's an out of bounds play to mix up their matchup, either go zone or just to straight mix it up to try to throw the team off. Here, this is a hard spot for teams to inbound the ball from the deep sideline. So they take... They put Randall on Yoke, more mobile, and they take Mitchell Robinson basically to be a roamer. And then on top of that, they double Jokic on the entry. So they're really trying to force Denver into an uncomfortable thing here. But watch Jokic. Watch how clever he is uh, on this tap back. I can't believe I recorded this while talking. Now I have to like wait for myself on the video. But watch Jokic just read this, go up high, and just immediately tap it to uh, Monte Morris on the inbound. Boop. It's like perfect because now you get to this spot and the defense is broken. So Monte does a good job of forcing Randall to rotate over, and now the play is just finishing out the string. Um, But it was a nice little heads-up play. My God, I can't believe I I thought I I thought I made just a clean. This is the only one that's like this. There it is, (laughs) and you get a little three. Um, So again, in full speed, tap, force the switch, get out here. Just great. Like this is what I love about Yoke, man. He really does just punish teams for like when they try to do just basic stuff, you know, he's like, Oh, you're going to play me this way. I'm going to break it off of a single touch pass. Um, yeah. The greatest improviser in the game right now, for sure. But also the awareness from Monte Morris to get in bounds, because right. if he would have just stayed out of bounds, it's a turnover. Right. Uh, my next note here is just this play from Denver, um, which I thought was a really nice, nice one. So you're going to see it's actually just a pistol action, which is a very common 
um, fast, like secondary break, not really fast break, but just how you get. So you get one screen on ball going this way, and then you get the chase screen coming this way. But what I like about it is they just kind of read this one. Jeff Green's just reading this one and decides if they're going to play me over the top, just curl to the basket. You'll see him curl, gets wide open underneath, uh, draws the draws the foul here. So it looks like a very simple play. And in fact, it is one that Denver runs all the time. But they usually pop this guy out here. He, for whatever reason, read that, causes the mess up on the weak side and gets a, a, a little layup. So again, Jeff Green just always doing little stuff that you might not notice when you're watching it full speed or whatever, but it, it always is just reading the court and, and making something out of it. <clears throat> yeah. Well, I mean, we talked about why Jeff Green's been such a good fit with those starters. And a big part of the reason is just, he's a smart player. He, he knows how to play the game. He, he's recognized how to play off of Jokic and, and within the system. And, and that was an example of it. Just, just the right play reading the defense and, and going to the open spot defensively this was a great weak side we talk about Jokic being a better defender this year and a lot of this is you know his ability to move his feet but plays like this are a dunk unless Aaron Gordon comes over and just disrupts it if you see him over here here on the weak side this is a single side tag so now it means there's only one player on this side so there's no helping the helper but he times it perfectly to scoot over and then as this comes up, he has the athleticism to jump with the seven-foot Mitchell Robinson and just disrupt that play and create the turnover. So another little thing when we talk about – this is why I hate how people talk about defense, Harrison, is defense is never – like one player very rarely – their changes have marginal impacts on a team. But when you have guys that now can cover and rotate and athletically can challenge at the rim, all of a sudden Jokic, the things he does, playing up top and forcing the ball out of the hands, they're just so much more impactful. Yeah. Aaron Gordon, we talk about his on-ball defense a lot, but you know, he he showed a lot this year in terms of being a high IQ guy that can come from different spots and, and crash down and make plays like that. Um, I got a note in here that early in this game, before Denver had it really established a rhythm, Jokic tried to give the take foul, a Euro foul in the backcourt, and the officials didn't call yeah. it. And and it was one of those plays where like Jokic First of all, I hate the take foul anyway. I just hate it. I hate I, it's not part of the spirit of the game to me. But I really hate it because players overuse it anyway. Even if you think about when should you use it, there's some fat. Not all fast breaks are created equal. Fast breaks that are going to lead to guaranteed points. You could say, okay, the take foul, whatever. But this was one where I think Jokic just didn't want to run back on defense. I do this one sometimes in my rec leagues. I'm like, hey man, I'm tired. I just gonna I'm gonna foul because I'd rather take a foul than get back on defense. Yoke did this. They didn't call it. Denver ends up getting a stop and Jokic avoids foul trouble. It's just like one of those things where I, he's such a smart player, but he still does some really dumb things, like super, super dumb things sometimes. Yeah. I mean, there should just be a rule. And I mean, this probably is a rule that he just doesn't follow, but he should right. never be allowed to take take fouls. I, I, I guarantee that's a rule that Michael Malone's gone over for sure. Yeah. But he'll still do it. Um, here we got... Um, Let's see here. Oh, Jokic's footwork in the post is underrated. I slowed this down. He gets switched, right? In transition, you get a little on you. And watch Jokic's footwork here. The jab step right before the spin move gets mm. the – like the defender is thinking – I slow it down here. The defender is thinking I've got to use all my body weight because Jokic is like – if he puts his body into me, that's going to – like I've got to be able to hold my ground. So the fake like he's going to lean there, that's what that was at the end fakes like he's about to lean on him and then spins right off of that fake and you just so catch good. the defense. Oh man, it's just so perfect. 
And he gets obviously to his perfect zone right in the middle of the court, right at the restricted area. Jokic's footwork on little plays like that. When we think of footwork, people think of Kevin McHale or Kim Olajuwon, like five-part combo moves up, under, fake, yeah. shimmy, like this or that. But 90% of good footwork is stuff like that. It's just simple little things that get the defense off balance. And he's, uh, he's really good at it. So Jokic is scoring. I just brought this up. Jokic is scoring 1.04 points per possession on post-ups this season. Last season, 1.04 points per possession on post-ups. <laughs> the season funny. before, 1.06. So funny. he's been this good of a post-up player for three years running. Yeah. It's funny, man. That's pretty, pretty consistent. Um, <laughs> yeah. Barton sh- hitting big shots for for the bench is huge. Honestly, you could there. There's a lot of things that happen in any given game. Like basketball is a game of mistakes. There's a hundred mistakes made by each team in every any given game. But if you were to reduce these last two games into like their most simple form, one of the things you would talk about is Will Barton scoring with the second unit against the Knicks. He was scoring really well, and the bench as a whole was scoring really well. I talk about shooting is contagious. And he, against the Bulls, with that second unit, couldn't score anything, and the Nuggets second unit couldn't score anything. So a lot of this does come down to how well does Barton – I mean, I'm glad nobody has really – we haven't really seen a lot of, like, look at Barton's plus-minus because his plus-minus just fluctuates so much game by game given his assignment. Um, But it it, it also mimics how well the Nuggets play based on if he can score with them. He's got a lot of pressure on him, especially with this bench unit – to not only score, but to create. I mean, if yeah. he's not getting into the paint, nobody on that bench unit is really getting into the paint, probably. I mean, Devon Reed's done a little bit, Faku a little bit here and there, but it's really all on Will. That's another reason why getting Bones back, I, I'm. it seems like he's probably going to be back this next game in New Orleans tomorrow, but getting him back is going to be so big. Oh, man, I hope so. I'm excited to see Bones. Um, I have a note in here you're going to love. Peter Cornelie. Has been a really good towel waver. And I mean, I'm not joking. I mean this sincerely. Like, you need guys nice. on the bench who provide a little bit of energy and encouragement and this or that. And I think just, I mean, I'm not there at the arenas on the road, but I, it just seems like he's been very active there. So. I love it. I love it. I love it. All time towel waver, number one, Ronnie Turiaf. Ronnie Turiaf, yeah. He, he, was, he was fantastic at that. Um, oh man the nuggets have had some good ones over the years though who devon akun purcell <laughs> really? tier one yeah, towel really? waiver <laughs> tier one towel waiver um man, they've had some good ones brandon goodwin solid brandon goodwin <laughs> we're, we're digging a little deep now um my note on this one was just that jeff green has the rare ability to guard julius randall like you're going to see this. First of all, that was a great show on the pick and roll. You can see it's game plan discipline. They're not too worried about Randall from three. He stays down. Mm-hmm. And then just the size to like hold his ground on that and the length to contest. That doesn't look like much. And then, of course, the transition the other way um, to finish off the play. That doesn't look like much, but that was a that's a pretty big play um, to be able to stop a player as good as him physically the way that he was. I mean, even Gordon struggles size-wise against Randall, you know, in moments like that. Yeah. No, it's good recognition from Jeff Green. It's like Randall, he's going to use his strength. He's going to try to bully you and put a shoulder into you. And you can tell on that play, Jeff kind of readies himself for it. And he's kind of expecting expecting that shoulder. I like this one here. This is a um, 
Aaron Gordon. I, I I could have climped any number of these. I probably had a dozen from the last two games, but just Aaron Gordon forcing on a switch. So teams of we've talked about this a lot. They like switching up high. You know, if they don't have to one through one through four, they'll try to switch everything. But he's just too big, and you can imagine what this plays are going to look like when this Faku in the corner is Jamal Murray because you already spaced <laughs> the court really well with these other guys. But right now, just ignoring Faku, they still get this foul. He draws the foul. Um, but you're talking about really, really easy to generate switches and really force the defense into lose-lose situations off plays like that. Yeah, it's been a point of emphasis ever since Aaron Gordon got to Denver. When they make that switch, the Nuggets look for him in the post as often as they can, in the half court, in transition. Like, they love getting Aaron Gordon on a mismatch close to the basket. Guys, make sure to pick up some Mile High City Copper Lager from Breckenridge Brewery this week. The beer that we drink during nugget season. And we're in season, so you got to be drinking Mile High City Copper Lager. Pick some up at your local liquor store. It's in that Nuggets blue can with the Nuggets logo on it. You absolutely cannot miss it. If you're in town, if you're local, stop into the DNVR bar. We've got tons and tons of Breck Brew on tap. If you're in Denver over towards Littleton, check out the Breck Brew Farmhouse. Tons of great beers, great food over there as well. But make sure to pick up some Mile High City Copper Lager for this Nuggets season. Also, guys, Ball is hiring in Golden. They're looking to add line capacity to their plant in Golden, Colorado. They're looking for production technicians. You can read the full description for that job opening at jobs.ball.com when you search for Golden. But what does a production technician do exactly? Well, the position is on the front line of the aluminum beverage can production process at Ball's plant. The company offers a competitive $27.39 per hour wage with potential for increase at 6, 12, and 18 months on the job. The position actually offers a lot of exposure to other manufacturing opportunities in the plant. The production technician role touches on the other stages of production, making aluminum cans and ends as well. So if you want more information, jobsupball.com and search for golden ball does a lot of good in the world they're a leader in global sustainability they've been leading that charge or one of the leaders at it for decades so check them out jobsupball.com and search for golden if you want more info or you can text golden to 77222 i'm also going to throw in a DraftKings pick of the week today tuesday december 7th there's a 50 percent profit boost on any nba bet today on DraftKings. so make sure to go take advantage of that and for my DraftKings Sportsbook pick of the week, I'm picking the Spurs over the Knicks tonight. Those guys play tonight, Tuesday night. The Spurs are an underdog. I'm going to just take them the win straight up at home, plus 100. Spurs have been playing well, and we just saw the Knicks up close the other day. Wasn't too impressed with them. The Spurs have been playing really good basketball, just barely lost to the Suns. They had a nice winning streak before that. So I'm taking the Spurs money line over the Knicks tonight for my DraftKings pick of the week. This is one of the main topics of discussion for today's show. The Nuggets um, finishing cuts off of Jokic. Cuts more often than not don't work, meaning they don't lead directly to passing to the cutter. But 100% of the time, if you cut hard and you cut within – the principles of your offense, they do something to the defense. They make the defense react in some way. And I wish it just, 
This is part of when I talk about the Nuggets run the same system they've always run, but they don't always run it as well as they have at their best. A lot of this is just coming down to understand the value of your cuts. And this is when I talk about teams like Phoenix or Golden State. Part of what makes them so special is their guys cut so well, whether they're open or not, because they just know it's part of the system. It's like running a route. Sometimes you run deep just to draw the safety back, right, in, in football. It's mm -hmm. the same on cuts. And you're going to see Gordon here stops his route. And the yoke throws mm. it because he was going to be open. But if you see that yeah. change of timing on Gordon here, like, go, stop. Like, why'd you stop there? He had you open. This would have been He had something. a wide open paint, too. But even if he didn't, you can still suck in Julius Randle a little bit more. Like, Jokic was going to throw this one either way. It might not have led to a layup, but it would have led to a collapse, a defensive collapse. And that's all you need. Like, if he does cut hard and Julius Randle comes all the way over, you kick it out here, he rotates over, get it to Barton, he rotates over, Monte Morris wide open from the top of the key. This is just yeah. – it doesn't matter if you think you're open or not, you're making this cut. And you're making it as soon right. as your guy doubles, which he just missed times on that one. But um, Denver – Denver, Monte Morris had a very high-profile one of these in the fourth quarter last night where same thing, he didn't finish his cut and Jokic throws it. Looks like a Jokic turnover, but in my opinion, Jokic was right to throw it. It's a great point. A lot of Jokic's highlight passes, especially the ones where he's throwing cross court, like those skip passes, like he could have thrown to Jeff Green on that play if Aaron Gordon had cut. Right. A lot of those are a result of a cut and right. drawing the defense. Um, like th those lead, those cuts lead to a lot of those Jokic highlight passes. It could have been another one right there. Next clip I have here is just that Zeke Naji has a very quick release not and a quick trigger, and I like that about him. We talk about confidence. When you're a shooter and a floor spacer, you want to be able – you want teams to know that you shoot it 100% of the time you have a, a certain amount of space because it increases your gravity. And I think Zeke Naji is one of those guys. If you watch him here, that's a not – like that's a pretty compact release. And it's, it's if you look at it, like Julius Randle full speed running out at him – gets up and actually challenges him pretty close, but Zeke just focused enough and with the trigger that's quick enough that he still gets these shots off balanced and everything else in time. And to me, I think it's actually, you talk about what is the value of a Michael Porter. It's that he's so tall and he could shoot. And then he does a bunch of other things and this or that. But I think that Zeke Naji actually maybe provides some of the most important aspects of Michael Porter, not by any means that he's as good, but just that he provides some of those things that you worry you would miss. So much so that I'm actually intrigued to see Zeke alongside Gordon a little bit more. We haven't seen a lot of it, and I'm kind of curious if that's a good combination. Yeah, what you love about Zeke is that he just knows what he's good at, <laughs> especially after exploring his game at Summer League. Now he really <laughs> knows what he's good at, and that's the guy he's been this season. He, he hasn't gone too far outside the lines, which is perfect. I like on this play here, you're going to notice he's actually playing small forward here. Um, Jeff Green is out and he's guarding the big Randall here. So Zeke Naji actually playing small forward. And I think he might be capable of doing it. It's again, like it's going to be a somewhat matchup defendant because I don't know that his size is big enough to punish a lot of play. Like, I don't know if Denver's posting him up a lot, but he does a great job here of, if you're going to watch this cut through, well, first of all, actually I'll bound, rebound all the way. He's guarding the initiator here and he does a good job just moving and then as he gets out, watch him read the pick and roll that's coming. Here it comes. He checks out. Perfect timing. Gets out early. And then gets all the way over knowing that the ball's coming. So that was – this is perfectly timed checking out. It's actually a skill. I wonder if NBA players and coaches go over this. The, like, timing when to check out of the paint so that you maximize yeah. your 2.9. 
He does a good job. He sees the screen and roll coming. He knows he's going to have to rotate over. So check out, sprints all the way over, gets all the way here, gets a hand in the lane, and it turns into a turnover. This is great, great defense from the small forward position from Zeke Naji, and it counts for two points, but it's really more than that. It's a stop and a two-point transition. It's just really good. And you can even tell on that play, Jeff Green's pointing where Zeke Naji should go. If, if you look at that Inter- play. Like, interesting. Go right there. But I think it looks like Zeke already knew. He was already he was ready there. for it. Um, yeah. Jokic making threes. It's funny, man. It really swings Denver's chances at a W. And I've talked about this, and I'm ready to formulate my full theory. I think that Jokic, we, you always talk about what areas can he grow in. And when you get to the level that he's at, the growth levels are so they're, – they're, they're small, right? They're subtle. But here's one that I think is small, subtle, but it actually makes a pretty big difference. I still think he comes into games with the game plan of I'm going to shoot or I'm not going to shoot. And I think that mind frame of like, okay, this is a game I have to go to the basket. That's a positive. It's a good thing. But I think Jokic actually makes shots at a way higher clip when he goes into games knowing he's going to shoot. And I think he tends to fall into slumps on games where the game plan wasn't to shoot, but maybe he finds himself out there. And I think... managing to balance it to where you know what your mind frame is. I'm not settling this game. I'm going at the rim. But at the same time, still being in rhythm at all times really helps him. And that's – we just saw – I mean, I think he missed like eight or nine straight threes between the two games before finally breaking the streak. And I think that's just one aspect of his game that can improve quite a bit. I like that theory. I like that theory. And you kind of saw it a little bit manifested in the Chicago game where – doesn't really shoot a ton in the first half and then tries to turn it on and just doesn't have that same touch. Doesn't have that same rhythm and feel around the rim because he wasn't doing that in the first half. It may also just be as simple as his wrist, to be fair. Like he did hurt his wrist and he has been cold from three more or less since then. So something to kind of monitor here. Um, This is an underrated pass by Jokic. We talked about this. um, Actually, maybe I just talked about this on the live stream. Um, Oh, man. (laughs) I love it because the pass actually fakes out the help side defense because it looks like it's coming to here. And if you watch, the pass actually gets OB top. He throws it right here when OB Toppin is actually guarding Jeff Green, but he throws it in a way that makes OB Toppin think he's not throwing it to the guy he's actually guarding. It's so funny to be able to do this, to make this read, to be like, I know if I just go into a passing motion, you're going to assume I'm going to Zeke. Well, if you even look at his passing motion, it's a little bit of a no look. It's a little (laughs) bit of a stare down at Zeke. And at the last second, he kind of changes his arm (laughs) and flips it to Jeff Green. It's an absolutely absurd pass, man. Like it, it, it didn't make the highlight reels, but that's one of those ones that's like when you break it down, you're like, holy crap, man. This guy. But he has 10 of those a game, five of those a game. That's true. (laughs) It's crazy. What? One of the most interesting um, – oh, man, do I not have that one? There it is. Oh, yeah, there it is. I wonder why number 11 came out of order from number 12. Interesting. Um, maybe the most encouraging clip of all of, of all the clips we have today, Harrison. Davon Reed, he's such an interesting player because he's not great. Like, I want to compare him to Torrey Craig or even a P.J. Dozier, but I actually don't know that he's as good as either of those guys defensively. He's is like those guys. He is a mix of talents that 
like he's a jack of all trades, but I think the number one thing about him that I think is important is I think he is a guy that can play read and react basketball at a pretty high level. And I think he can keep the ball popping because of his skill set. It's not just a willingness to keep the ball moving. It's the ability to open up seams. Like when you're getting the ball popping, what that really means is you've created a half step advantage that by ball movement and quick decision-making you turn into a full step or more advantage. And it requires, like, Jokic will do something to create a half-step advantage and sometimes a full-step advantage, kick it out, find a wide-open guy. But often it's like, I got the defense moving, kick out, let's attack the scramble now in a smart way where we're all on a string. And I think Davon Reed is a guy that can do that. We're going to watch a couple opportunities here. He's open for three here. But just for whatever reason, you got a good closeout guy, whatever, he gets a nice little pump fake. But then even more than just the pump fake, now the pump fake is this guy's just going to close out. By, by taking this dribble to attack, quickly slides over, and you get the wide open three for Faku. That's just good ball is popping type stuff. Here's another example of it. Perfect. Get the ball moving. Keep it moving. Come over here. Pump or drive. Bring the defense in and keep it, keep it going. That's a great sequence of read and react basketball. And then this one, I know I had a specific note for the third one. Oh, yes. Notice here how he's actually orchestrating Zeke Naji. He's reading it quicker. Like, get through, get through. Let's keep the ball moving. Mm. I love this because this is him seeing the court before somebody who's been with the team even longer. And even though nothing comes of this one, that's the type of quick decision-making you need. They I mean they get an open shot. But that's the kind of quick decision-making you, you need from all of your others. Looks like this video yeah. cut out after, after that part. So, bummer. On all those plays, Davon Reed's looking to make an advantage. He's looking to create right. an advantage. Penetration. Yep. Uh, getting the ball to Aaron Gordon, like he he's just looking to to be aggressive and make something happen and create an advantage with the defense. Um, quick that's making. great. Yeah, quick decision, the right decision, not forcing the issue. He plays within himself. Is one of my big notes from him over the first couple games he's played. I'm actually curious to see. I mean, we're kind of getting there by virtue of just everybody getting hurt, but I'm actually curious to see Davon Reed play with Jokic, maybe a little bit more. Because I've always said, games like the seven, when guys rely on Jokic more and they're willing to be that quick, you know, point, what do they call it, 0.5 decision makers where you don't point five mentality. Point five mentality. He's a point five mentality guy. And I wonder if you get a lineup out there, say it's, I'm just throwing together a combo here, but say you get Bones and um, Monte and Davon Reed and Aaron Gordon. Like those are all guys that are going to have 0.5 mentality. They're going to play quick. They're going to get the ball moving. I'm curious if lineups like that, or even swap out Monte, put in Jeff Green and play a little bit bigger. I'm curious if lineups like that, they just always find the right guy. And are they 10% worse as shooters than, you know, say a Barton or an Austin Rivers or whatever? Maybe, but does it matter when you have Yoke, you just keep finding the right play. I think there might be something to it. I bet that lineup would work, and I agree with your evaluation of Davon Reed. Like he can just be a jack of all trades who plays basketball the right way, and he would know, and he'd be all about playing off of, of Jokic and maximizing him and relying on him in, in a lineup like that. The thing I don't know about him is just how good of a defender he is because he does like, I think he'll execute a system. Okay. But he's been burned a few times when I'm watching the tape where I'm like, yeah, man, like he just, I don't, he's not a, I don't know if he's like an above average defensive talent. I think he might just be an average defensive talent who can follow the system without screwing up. But 
you know, Zach Levine, for example, might torch him. So, right. He doesn't so, strike me as a, a super quick twitch guy. And that's the difference He's, between him and, and like a, a Tory Craig. Tory Craig was a guy you felt good throwing at those types. And did he, was he kind of a, an anchor on the offensive end for the most part? Yeah, he was. He wasn't great at read and react. But, I, you know, I don't know. You, you're plus in one hand and out the other, I think, a little bit with him. But he's still intriguing. He's still, I mean, I like him a lot more than Marcus Howard, for example. I might even like him as much as, say, an Austin Rivers, you know, like that that type of player. I think he provides different I mean, things. If, if- if we're talking about Jokic ball, from what right. we've seen, Devon Reed is a much more of a Jokic ball player than Austin Rivers is because he gets the ball popping. Hopefully we see that. Hopefully we see a little bit more of him so we know. Um, the Bulls, now we're on to the Bulls game. They started out the game by helping one pass away. Here's a couple of examples of it. You're going to see Barton cut through, and then you're going to see Zach Levine one pass away. Jokic, of course, um, recognizes this stuff. He was murdering it. Um, that's Lonzo Ball's worst defensive play of the game. I swear to God, he was on this pass like every other play. He was like right up on Barton every other time. Yeah. Um, so there was just one quick example. Did I only have the one example there? I might have. Nope, I got one more. Um, they actually stopped doing this in the second. This is one pass away, yep. but it's actually helping off of the cutter. Um, you're going to see here Lonzo fakes like he's going, then gets it, and then you get a nice – I mean, Jokic really is the best at, at at kicking out off of this. I thought one of the things that happened in this game was Jokic. They did a. I, I don't know that this was their game plan, but they got Jokic into a passing mentality, and I don't think he yeah. segued back into a scoring mentality very well after that. Exactly. Um, he he was in a total passing mentality in the first half, and then yeah, couldn't flip the switch. I really hate when Aaron Gordon fades in. Any direction, really, but especially when he fades towards the baseline. <laughs> like, when he fades towards the middle, he's actually made that shot a lot this year. But when he fades, mm-hmm. and he had one against Zach Levine, where he gets him in the post, takes a couple power dribbles, and then fades towards the baseline like he's Jordan, and he airballed it. And it's just, you talk about the advantage you have when you have Zach Levine on you is that you're going to be way stronger than him. Just bury his him underneath the basket and go up strong, and instead he's like, fade away, airball. And it just kills me, man. Like... Those types of plays just absolutely murder me. Um, yeah, here's a big, Malone here's had a- Malone had this great uh, quote about Aaron Gordon and some advice he gave him a few games ago. But his message to Aaron Gordon has been, "Don't let them off the hook." Right. And in that scenario, you're fading away to the baseline against Zach Levine. You're letting him off the hook. You know, right. you're you're giving him a break. But if you go into him, make him work, play physical, try to draw a foul. That's not letting him off the hook. Right. Um, This is a sneaky signature Jokic pass. Um, I don't think most people would think of it as one, but it is. That pass Mm -hmm. right there. And the reason I say it's a signature is because Jokic is so good. Aaron Gordon was great at this, by the way. He did this all game. Look at him just must. This is how you treat Zach Levine. You treat him like a, a stepchild and you get him over here. But what Yoke throws is this angle right outside the the defender like his his uh reach so you see they always end up trying to get over the top on a three-quarter or full front and he throws it right like that so that by the time the pass arrives they're just completely out of the picture yoke throws this one a lot and he always throws it right on the money right there it's like one of his favorite passes to throw and it always ends exactly like that one did with a wide open dunk it's such a tougher pass than you think too it's so (laughs) tough it looks like just a and little he makes like, it look so easy. One. 
Um, the Chicago Bulls, if you really want to watch, I, I've said a lot about their guards are perfect for playing with Jokic. The number one thing you have to be able to do defensively when you have Jokic on your team is fight through screens. Like he's going to be very good at playing angles and doing this or that, but he can only hold off mm-hmm. any, any player can only hold off a pick and roll and a roller um, for so long. And the Bulls, if you watch him, man, I don't know how they do it. All of their guys, even Ayo Desumu in this game, like it must be a thing where it's contagious. Like, you know, you play with really good on-ball defenders and you just pick up little tricks because Caruso's probably the best in the NBA at this. Lonzo Ball is probably top five in the NBA at this. And then they had their other guys doing this as well, just getting skinny through screens and getting over and then challenging with their length um, without fouling. They were so good at it, and it's what makes them good. Honestly, if you could whittle down why are the Chicago Bulls good into like one thing, it's like, yeah, they just they're the hardest team in the NBA to screen. That's that's crazy. Yeah. They also I believe it though. They also set the level of physicality. And this is a thing I think Denver has never been able to do. It's not never been a part of their identity. They play really physically. And when you're really physical from the opening tip, refs kind of like they spend the first five minutes of any game being like, how physical is tonight going to be? And if you show them it's going to be very physical, then the standard for what's a foul on the perimeter goes up. If you kind of sit back and play soft, the standard goes down. And I think Chicago does a really nice job of elevating the standard by saying, nope, physical. That's what we're playing today. And officials adjust. Um, I feel really good about Aaron Gordon's three-point shot when he is set, especially from the corner. I don't like it when there's any type of movement. And here's some crazy stats for you, um, Harrison. From the left corner, Aaron Gordon this season is shooting 43%. From the right corner, okay. 40, 46%. From above the break, 29%. Now, here's the tough mm. part. Half of his attempts come from above the break, where he shoots 29%. Yeah. So it, it's just interesting. Players learning. I, this isn't. The sample sizes are too small. I think he has 41 threes above the break and then basically 20 from each corner. Um, so, you know, it, it it comes out to 40 from the corners, 41 from above the break. The sample sizes are really small. You don't want a guy not shooting. But I do think it's important to recognize, like, where you're best from and how you're, where your best shots come from and just try to eliminate or reduce the amount you're taking from other spaces and in under other circumstances. I would even bet that above the break, he probably takes a slightly more on the move, whether it's with the ball in his hands or whether it's just sliding his feet along the perimeter. Also mm-hmm. like the margins are so thin on his jumper that the more he's set and still the more balanced, the the better odds he has of making. Yeah. He has looked great on those corner threes though. Like the yeah. eye test, or, or if you were going to ask me for a percentage, I, I would have said he's shooting pretty well from the corner because most of those, like you said, are complete standstill, complete catch and shoot, and they're always in rhythm too. Right, right. If you guys are looking for a last minute Christmas gift, let me recommend Manscaped. It's the gift that keeps on giving, fits perfectly into a Christmas stocking, fits right in there seamlessly. But you can go to manscaped.com. Use the code DNVR, get 20% off your entire order from Manscaped. They've got a lot of really cool stocking stuffers on their website, manscaped.com. They've got the Manscaped 2-in-1 shampoo and conditioner. This is just launched brand new for the Christmas season. Kill two birds with one stone. Like I said, a 2-in-1 shampoo and conditioner from Manscaped. They've also got the Manscaped cologne-infused body wash. They've got Manscaped Signature Cologne. Tons and tons of options on manscaped.com. Use the code DNVR to get 20% off your purchase. Again, 
you got to use the code DNVR. Go to manscaped.com, drop that code, get 20% off plus free shipping. That's at manscaped.com. This week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Football fans, I'm sure we all love an action-packed, high-scoring NFL game, but with the latest no-brainer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you'll be a winner once a single point is scored. New customers who bet just $1 on any team to score can win $100 in free bets. It's that freaking simple. DraftKings Sportsbook, of course. You can also get your skin in the game with new same-game parlays. Get those on the NBA, too. Trust me, they're super, super fun to get in the same-game parlay. Spice up your Tuesday night, maybe. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code DNVR. Bet $1 on any team to score and win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score with promo code DNVR. This week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. At Hassle Cattle Company, turkey is out, beef is in. Hopefully you took advantage of that for Thanksgiving. We know that. But now we've got Christmas. Order up some Hassle Cattle Company for the best Christmas dinner that you can possibly have. Go to HassleCattleCompany.com. Use the code DNVR15. You're going to get 15% off your entire order. That's code DNVR15 for 15% off your entire order. Order it now so you make sure you have it for Christmas Eve. DNVR15, get 15% off your entire order at HassleCattleCompany.com. Any orders over $200, you will receive free shipping as well. Check out Hassle Cattle Company. You won't be disappointed. Another note in here, the Nuggets got some really tough breaks. Like, look, Denver should have – they should have lost that Chicago game. Early on, Denver had a 10-point lead, and I think it should have been 15, maybe even more points. But they caught some bad breaks. I'm thinking specifically, do you remember the play where Faku rotates over and steals the ball, like tips it, and it rolls right to a Bulls player wide open under the basket, where it's just like, man, the ball bounced. And there was two or three of these. I'm also thinking of Derek Jones Jr. hitting the side of the backboard on a three that Will Barton contested great. (laughs) It bounced right to, I think, Ayudasumu, who puts it in for layup. And it's like, they just had a couple of those where you're thinking, man, if those 50-50 plays that they're not really anyone's fault, just the ball bounced one direction or the other if they go the other way they just seem to have happened in key moments where denver either had a lot of momentum and it's it haltered them or where denver was regaining or stopping the bulls's momentum but it ended up dogpiling on them uh and that's basketball that's why you play 82 games sometimes it happens that way uh i talked about i'd love to see more minutes with zeke Naji and aaron gordon together i don't think there are they've even played 10 minutes with that duo next to Jokic, um and i'm just curious to see it Mm-hmm. Um, are you ready to get into the sad portion of the show today? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do <laughs> it. Let's dive right in. Uh, we're going to J Mike making rookie mistakes. J Mike making rookie, rookie mistakes. mistakes. Um, let's take a look at what we have. Oh, here's a simple one, man. This is a simple screen. The screener Denver runs this exact play where you get the back screen and you send the guy towards the basket. You communicate between these two guys. These two guys need to be a commu- communication. And J. Mike needs to be back enough to be able to take this away. Will Barton needs to be up enough to force him not into a wide open line of sight. But it all stems from your big, who is your quarterback. He's the one that can see everything. He needs to be talking. Instead, J. Mike's like, hey, who's behind me? Oh, nobody. And they missed this, by the way. This is a missed yeah. wide open layup. Like, they get off the hook. But, I mean, anytime you have this guy right here and J. Mike going, what? <laughs> Faku, you're supposed to be helping. Like, come on, man. It's just a killer. It's an absolute killer. 
Um, yeah, Faku's not going to do much there in help side. <laughs> you got to have way better. Um, and then here is really, if there was one stretch th- that the game was determined, it was the third quarter, early fourth, end of third, early fourth. And I actually, Harrison, missed one. This is a three-clip sequence spanning the end of the third, start of the fourth. But I actually missed the play that was right before this, and I didn't want to go back. It was too depressing. They are attacking Jermichael Green every single time down court. Let's set wow. it up over here. Let's come over here. And I call this like, this is like false effort defense. You're going to see J Mike step up and do the like boogie, boogie, boogie. Like, like, like he's doing something. And Zach <laughs> watch him, watch him. Here it is. Oh. <laughs> and Zach Levine, right. Like, like that's not doing anything. That's doing nothing. But Zach Levine on this play knows exactly that J Mike doesn't have the presence to guard the perimeter and he doesn't have the presence to really guard the roller. So like this is, he might as well just be a chair. He goes right into his – the Zach Levine takeover was actually a Zach Levine picking on Jim Michael Green. Let's go back. All right? Let's just go right back to this action. Now he steps up further. It's like he's not even there. Layup. I mean, this wow. is all – and I, like I said, I missed the first play in this sequence. Now we go to the next quarter. This is, again, the very first opportunity to run in the half court. What are they going to do? Well, let's just run right at Jim Michael Green again. He's way out, steps on Lonzo, wow. closes out bad, and it's a six-point play. So I just showed you – a uh, three from Zach Levine, a layup from Zach Levine. I missed another one that was, I, I can't remember, I think it was a three from Zach Levine. And then you have a six-point play. Every single one of those plays was attacking Jermichael Green. When we talk Man. about, and, then in, and by the way, the play following that six-point foul was the Jermichael Green dunk. missed dunk. So you're talking about a sequence. I, it's very rare that you could whittle it down. Again, there's 100 mistakes in any given game. But it's very rare that you can pin a like 14 to zero run on one player the way that you can at that end of third start of fourth sequence with Jermichael Green. Yeah. Yeah. His his fall this year has just been so surprising. Um I have uh, Zeke Naji, some loose notes here. Zeke Naji really needs to improve his finishing at the rim. I'd say the two things that if for Zeke Naji like to explore his game further will come in the years to come. Meaning, I do think that he can add pieces to his game over the course of the next five seasons. I don't think he needs to add anything over this season other than he needs to continue to rebound at a very high level, which I think is a point of emphasis for him. Um, and, uh, yeah. and obviously continuing to knock down uh, his shots, but finishing at the rim would be the other piece here. Like, He's a good three-point shooter. I don't know that he's going to be able to finish in traffic. I don't know. He he plays below the rim. Like, if he grabs a rebound and there's two guys over him and he has to go up, I don't know that he can go up and dunk it on someone. You know what I mean? I don't know if he has that power and explosiveness. He really just has one finish around the rim right now. It's almost like a set shot off the glass from the restricted area. You know? And he he goes to it a lot and he can hit it, but – he doesn't have a lot of uh, improvisation ability around the rim. Yeah. And I think he's been great, by the way. Like, this is not a negative, you know, me being down on Zeke or anything. It's just those are the yeah. things I look at, and I'm like, that's where he can prove. That's that's the next step for him. Um, I, I mentioned this when we were in the postgame show yesterday, but it stuck out like even more of a sore thumb. Nuggets starters checked back into the game with eight minutes and 26 seconds left, and the Bulls were already in the bonus. Less than four minutes into the corner, they had already let him into the bonus. And when the starters came back in, part of what was so disruptive, when you talk about, okay, the starters go to the bench, when they check back in, you blow a lead, momentum's gone, whatever. Like still you would say, okay, a bench unit needs to overcome it or, or whatever. 
But when you hand them, like the other team, by the way, is in the bonus, you're going to have to guard a really dynamic score in Zach Levine without fouling. That's really a tough ask. And and then, by the way, establish a rhythm when they're going to be at the foul line and set and rested on defense. It's just you couldn't have had a worse start to the second quarter than what the bench unit handed the Denver Nuggets in that game. If you're going to get blown out like they did, at least don't foul. <laughs> at least let the fouls, uh, you know, not get there. If you somehow foul and you get blown out, fouls are like safeties, right? You foul to save a possession, but they did. They fouled and gave up points. The worst of everything, and I just don't know what you can do with that. I really don't know how many players or teams can overcome what that second unit handed the starters in this last game. The Nuggets have such a slim margin for error against good teams right now. Yeah. It's like you need a great Nikola Jokic game. You need to stay out of foul trouble. You need to keep them off the free throw line. Uh, you need you need you need a great Nikola Jokic game just to get to a hundred points. Right. You know, oh, totally. Like. Totally. And um, yeah, you just can't shoot yourself in the foot and let the Bulls walk to the foul line for an entire quarter if you expect to win. The other sequence that was pivotal here. So the biggest pivotal sequence was, um, you know, the end of the third quarter or whatever. I mean, I guess you could all, you could talk about both stints that the second unit played were pivotal. The for the starters, they actually you almost forget this. They actually got back up eleven points after blowing the entire the second unit blew the entire lead and gets it tied. Denver got another eleven point lead, so they actually gained two double digit leads in their first two stints. But they they kind of lost focus at the end of the first half, and it killed. Monte fouls 90 feet from the basket, so they were already in the bonus, mm -hmm. and he fouled on a missed free throw that he, for some reason, just reaches in. So you give him that. Aaron Gordon had that turnover almost immediately after it where he just picked up his dribble for some reason and then dropped the ball. It was like the weirdest play. Uh, Jokic had that turnover in the open court. wasn't really his fault. Lonzo made a great play on, on the basketball. And then Derek Jones Jr. hits a prayer three. So between Denver having three completely unnecessary forced mistakes and then Derek Jones Jr. hitting a prayer three with a hand in his face, that's how you blow an 11-point lead in two minutes yeah. or less. It's yeah. like you don't just do it on one bad play. You do it on three or four consecutive really, 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 really bad plays. Um, so there you go. Um, oh, the other sequence that – so Jokic, I will say this. I didn't think he did a good job of shifting from passer to score – but in his final stint in the fourth quarter, and Denver was down, I think, like 15 points. So it was kind of at that mm -hmm. point already like in danger zone. But Jokic did come out and hit back-to-back -back shots to start his final stint. And I thought, okay, he's starting to be aggressive here. He comes down. It's nine points. So Denver had cut it from like 15 to nine. He shoots a three and misses. He was off on his three all game. And Vucevic comes down and hits a three and makes it. So it was a six-point swing, and the game was kind of over there. Um, again, that was a micro little thing, but at least it, it stood out on rewatch. So that was the Bulls game. I mean, there was a lot of ugly in there. I do think that Bones Highland will make a significant difference, though, Harrison. I think he will, too. Um, he, but the thing about Bones Highland is he can change the game, change the perplexion and feel and, and mentality of a game in one shot. Right. <laughs> you know, a, yeah. a, a momentum turning Bones Highland three we've seen those this season. So sometimes right. it just takes one shot, uh, particularly for a second unit that struggles to generate good ones. So bones entered the protocols on the 30th. Cause the Orlando magic game was the first, the heat game was the 29th. And I do think it was the day after. So I think it was the 30th, which 
The next game is on the 8th. It was a seven-day protocol. It does seem like timing-wise he should be back for this New Orleans game. Yeah, I've been told he should be back for for Wednesday night at New Orleans. He should be. I think he makes a huge difference. I'm curious to see. Do you think J. J Mike stays in the rotation? Do you think he's back? Yes. Yes. I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no. In very limited minutes. Let me say this. I think that Michael Malone has things he really doesn't like. And J. Mike did all of them in that last game. Like, it would be one thing if he just missed shots. Like, a lot of this season, he's just missed shots. He did some things in that game that were – if Zeke Naji did them, he'd probably miss, like, five games. (laughs) He would be like, no, we're teaching a lesson here. So, to me – I would not be surprised that Jermichael Green does not get run in this next game in the regular rotation. Yeah. I don't know. I, I wouldn't be surprised, but at the same time, I would be surprised. I don't know. I mean, if he doesn't play, do you think it's Vlatko? Do you think they cut down the rotation? What's the answer? So if you add Bones Highland to the mix, you already have Faku off the bench. You have Yeah, or you just Bones, play really small. Faku, Bones, and then Zeke. Yeah, there's still room for one more player. I think maybe it is Blacko. Maybe it is Blacko. I don't know. Well, Davon Reed. You got Davon Reed as well. Maybe it's a nine-man rotation and Davon is there. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing that. Davon at the three. Barton out there. Can Bar- can Davon play the four and <laughs> an ultra? That's small what I'm lineup? saying. I mean, if you compare Barton or if you compare Davon Reed to PJ Dozier, maybe he can be your small ball four. It'll be interesting to see. I, man, it'll be interesting to see what Michael Malone comes up with. It did seem like after the game, this last game, he was more into, you know, the, the team needs a bigger shakeup, like, to survive this. Like, they need yeah. to figure out a, di- a completely different rotation. So I'm curious, does Jokic go to the bench more early? Um, you know, I, I'm curious to see if they try something completely different. Well, what's interesting, particularly in these two games against Chicago, Chicago plays a lot of their starters with the bench. It's the same yeah. thing that the Jazz do. But there were stints last night when Lonzo Ball and Zach Levine, like you just demonstrated, were beating up on the Nuggets bench. You know, and, right. and teams, I think, are figuring that out. They're like, if we throw a couple starters out there against this bench, we can change the game. We can go on a huge run. Right, right. Um, before we get out of here, Harrison, do you have any thoughts? The Indiana Pacers, it looks like, are the first team to hit the panic button. They uh, they appear to be, according to Sham Sharania, they appear to be entering teardown mode before rebuilding, of course. Um, players that have been named available. First of all, you have to – I don't think they have any players you look at and like, that guy's off limits. You know, like I think all of their players are probably right. available. They don't have a cornerstone piece. Um, but they mentioned, specifically mentioned Miles Turner – uh, DeMontis Sabonis, and then Karis LeVert. Any of those names excite you? Uh, I mean, Miles Turner's exciting. He's very exciting, but he's not going to come here and play backup center. You know, yeah. <laughs> like that, that's just not going to happen. Uh, Sabonis, LeVert, uh, th- those, those two names don't really excite me that much. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you the one player who does interest me is TJ Warren. He was not named as one of the guys and he's actually been out for quite a while with a foot injury. Um, you know, recently they have talked about him, you know, the scans have been positive, but I don't, there's no timetable for his return. So he might be more of a player that's like a month away, but here's the thing about TJ Warren, very Jeff Green-esque 
Very Jeff Green-esque. In fact, he's kind of a younger, a little bit smaller Jeff Green, but I think he's a guy that would work really well next to Jokic in large part because TJ Warren is very good at attacking one-on-one, attacking mismatches, and I think he's good at playing in you know that read-and-react system. So he's one guy, but coming off injury like that, I don't know that there's a whole lot. You know, I don't... I don't know if Denver takes it a flyer on an injured player in a season when they are so short on players. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think so. But if, if if everybody out there is wondering about a Sabonis like Miles Turner trade, the only way like Denver can get up to that salary is like by packaging multiple guys together. So it'd be like Jamichael Green and Monte, or right. you know, um, that that's actually kind of what it would have to be because Denver just doesn't have the salary otherwise. And they can't take on really any more money because they're so close to the tax and they're not going to pay that this year. So uh, they don't have that, you know, many options trade wise, you know, isn't Tory Craig there. Tory Craig is there. Uh, he becomes eligible to be traded on December 15th. Like most of these guys do. He's making 4 million this year. So you could trade <laughs> I'm guessing they don't want Jermichael Green or Bull. <laughs> so you're probably in a tight spot there. I mean, you're right. That's the thing is the best trade asset Denver has is probably like a realistic one. I mean, Jeff Green, you know, teams would take him, but he's been a big positive for Denver. Um, yeah. You're really looking at Jermichael Green, and I just don't know if he has a lot of value. Monte Morris, I don't know if Denver's looking to move on from him. So we'll have to wait and see. I mean, Justin Holiday, I know you've got him there. Um yeah, I don't know what else. I don't know what else Denver would go after. So I don't yeah, see it, but true. you never know. I don't know. I don't, don't see, see it either. It. Who knows? Maybe Portland's ready to break up as well. <laughs> they they're another team. Um, hey, I saw team. Damian Lillard wants to play with Aaron Gordon. Oh, yeah, really? I saw that was from a while back. There you go. Yeah, he Look, wants man. to play with Aaron Gordon. What do you think Lillard would be like in Denver? Um, incredible. I don't. I think they have the worst defense in the NBA. It'd be incredible. Their defense would suck, um, but they'd be absolutely unstoppable. <laughs> absolutely yeah. unstoppable. It really wouldn't matter how bad the defense is. Probably. Um. Hmm. All right. Well, that does it for today, guys. Nuggets back. A chance to um, get past this L. Bring the road trip to two and two tomorrow in New Orleans. Should be a really good game. I'm curious to see if Bones is back. What the line is, I think Denver will be. I think it'll be a game that's within two points, one way or the other. So um, it should be an interesting one. I'm going to predict a Nuggets win. Early vibes, feeling like a Nuggets win. It is New Orleans, uh, so if they don't win this one, we're going to be down bad. We're going to be in the segment <laughs> of down bad teams if the Nuggets <laughs> don't beat the Pelicans tomorrow. All right, thanks everybody for tuning in. We'll see everybody next time. Guys, your Colorado rugby team has rebranded again. This one's here to stay. The American Raptors. The American Raptors. They play at Infinity Park. They are composed of crossover athletes that play tons of different sports and come from backgrounds in football, basketball, baseball, wrestling, soccer, and track and field. And the American Raptors have turned them into rugby players. They're Rugby Town USA's newest rugby team. Like I said, composed of athletes who have competed at the highest levels of their respective sports and now have turned to rugby. They play at Infinity Park right here in Denver, Colorado. American Raptors games are free. You do need a ticket, though, so head to AmericanRaptors.com. Check out their schedule. Grab a free ticket there. If you can't make it to a game, AmericanRaptors.com will be streaming all of their games on that website as well. It's fun for the family. It's a fun weekend event. If you want tickets, AmericanRaptors.com. They play at Infinity Park right here in Denver.